What is so amazing to know that God is with us. He is always with us. He's never failed us, even yet. So thanks for uh, singing together this morning and, and joining with us during that. If you are a guest with us here today, I can't tell you how excited we are to have you joining with us this morning. We would love to have you um, text the word guest to the number that you would see on your screen right now. And we'd love to just connect with you that week, uh, this week. So just text the word guest to that number that you see um, right there. Also, I want to just uh, thank everybody that has continued to sustain CASAS uh, in the past weeks. And for many of you, you've been sustaining CASAS for years and years and years. And possibly you might be a person today that would be giving for the first time, and we want to thank you in advance for that, that we have a great year of ministry ahead. We don't know exactly what God has planned and what will unfold, but the gifts that you give, that we all give together right now, have a huge impact on, on what we're going to be able to do together in ministry this year. So three simple ways uh, that we can give is if you just go online to casaschurch.org, you look for the drop down that says giving, you just click right there and you can give that way. You can also uh, mail your gift here to the church. That's another simple way to give. And finally, uh, you can text the word CASAS. There's another number that's going to pop up on your screen right now. If you text the word CASAS to that number, that's another way for you to give uh, via text in all those ways. Again, we really appreciate uh, you giving uh, and encourage each and every one of us to kind of keep sustaining our church together in the months and years to come. I've got some kind of exciting news, shifting gears a little bit. want to let you know just real quick, uh, many of you have been kind of wondering when we're going to be moving back to online services, and we are actually looking at June 28th, just three weeks away from now, June 28th to be that date that we will go back to in-person services here at CASAS, and we're going to have a lot more information that we're going to email out to everybody this week. So, but just kind of we can celebrate together that we're going to uh, be together in just three short weeks from now um, and encourage you to kind of stick with us for the next three weeks as we move to that date. Kind of exciting. Um, today, today, uh, we really have a special conversation uh, that is planned um, you know, this week, as everything was kind of unfolding with a lot of the, um, the things that we all know and are experiencing together um, in, our, in, in the news, but in the, in the real life setting for so many of our friends um, and colleagues, um, that we, uh, this week, I just kind of texted a friend of mine that I've been friends with for about 20 years now. We both started teaching together at Flowing Wells High School, and he now is a pastor here in town. So I texted him this week. Um, and I said, um, hey, Arante, you know, how are you doing right now? I know that this has got to be kind of a hard time for you in leading a congregation. How are you doing? And that led to us having a conversation this week that was really great. And by the end of that conversation, um, we found that we felt like we really should have a deeper conversation on this issue and even a conversation that we thought could be a really good conversation for our community here at CASAS. And so um, um, Arante, Dr. Arante Jenkins is a close personal friend. I love him dearly. He's an amazing leader. Uh, myself, Glenn, and um, Dr. Jenkins sat down on Friday, had a great conversation. And so in today's message, uh, Glenn's gonna come and teach a bit, and then he's gonna share that conversation uh, that we had with you. And I really hope that it will be a fruitful conversation 
for all of us. And so to kind of uh, move into that time, I would love to pray uh, both for uh, what's to come and also pray for um, those that are on the front lines of fighting the fire that's right nearby here. So let's pray together. Well, God, we are uh, thankful to be able to have the opportunity together as a community here this morning to really be able to focus on you, God, and focus on your love, the love that you have for all of creation, um, all, all people. Uh, and this morning, we really feel like it's an important time, God. We feel like you have called us uh, to, to share this conversation with our community. So God, I would just pray for your Holy Spirit to really move um, among all of uh, Casa's people, any guests that are watching online right now, and, and anybody that will continue to watch in the, in the weeks ahead. Uh, to watch this service. God, just pray that you would be speaking through it. And I pray that you would just open our hearts, minds, and ears to really um, hear uh, what you have in store for us and to hear um, Dr. Jenkins kind of share from his heart and, and some practical things that we can move together uh, in, Father. We also pray, Lord, for the, the fire that is right nearby. We pray for all the crews that are fighting that fire uh, and, and pray that you're keeping them safe and that you are squelching that, that fire in the very near future. But God, we do lift up all of our, our first responders, all of our fire personnel, local personnel that are uh, working to, to put that fire out. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is again so wonderful to have you uh, joining us uh, here. And as Andy was saying, uh, this morning is just a little bit different. We're going to take a pause from our normal uh, series that we were in, The Upside Down Ways of God. Uh, we'll get back to that. I uh, love the series. But as leaders, as we just prayed through this and thought through this and talked about it, really felt like there was something a little different that we could do uh, here this morning. And so that's kind of what we're uh, walking through this morning. So, you know, thinking about just the whole situation that is unfolding uh, all around us on so many levels, I just, I was processing uh, some of the things that you see Jesus doing in the New Testament. And as you think about some of his activities, you think about all the moments where Jesus uh, has a teaching moment, right? Where there's something that he's unfolding in uh, maybe uh, teaching in a more nuanced way. Uh, there are moments when he's doing ministry. So you see Jesus in uh, these different moments where uh, he is just, he's just caring for people or he's healing people or he's just uh, mourning with them in some way. But the other thing that you see with Jesus oftentimes, uh, there'll be these leadership moments or moments where he's cultivating the leadership within uh, some of his disciples or some of his followers. And I wanted to just look at one of those moments this morning, this leadership moment, because in some ways, I think it really pertains to what we are all facing. And uh, Maybe it will help us all kind of have a way to move forward uh, with this. And this leadership moment, uh, it takes place uh, near the end of his ministry, near the end of his life. Uh, it uh, it uh, takes place right after he has been uh, washing the disciples' feet and he's going through this thing. So in some ways, he's setting up his disciples to be uh, leading forward in this. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to the Gospel of John the Gospel of John, and we're going to be in the 13th chapter. So John chapter 13, and I'm going to start with verse uh, 33. And again, this is after he's washed the disciples' feet. And he says this to this smaller group of, of his disciples and followers. He says, my children, 
I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. And of course, this creates a little confusion for them. Like, like what does this mean? And, and of course, Jesus is not saying, you know, I'm gonna leave and I'll never see you again or any of that. What he's trying to do is say, I'm gonna leave. And this is gonna be one of the first most key moments for his disciples now to carry something on as the leaders of it, right? Up until this moment, most circumstances, Jesus is, he is their rabbi. He is the one that is leading out. He is the one that they are with and they're kind of following his lead. And here comes this moment where he's saying, I'm gonna go, but there's something for you to carry on in this. And here are his very next words. Look what he says here. This is in verse 34. A new, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Um, and this is kind of striking because he does something different here than what we've seen him uh, do prior to this. And he says, a new command that I give you. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Uh, what, like, Really, like what's so new about this? Like when you first think about a new command that I give you, uh, love one another, you know, in some ways you would look at it and go, man, Jesus has done nothing but like gush over love, right? I mean, love, 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 love. But you look through the gospels and Jesus just, he's been preaching on this and teaching on this. What's so new about this? Well, there are several things and I, and I can't go into all of those things uh, here this morning, but, uh, you know, a couple of those things are things uh, like, he notice what he starts with here is in the past, we've seen him talk about love and he'll say, love God and love others. And here he starts with love one another. Now, of course, this isn't because he is saying, you know, we don't need to love God anymore, but there's this beautiful thing that Jesus is lifting up as leaders that we must know and understand. You can't love God without loving others, can you? You can't. And like, there's this beautiful thing where he combines these. And there's several other things that he does, but there's one in particular that I wanna draw your attention to. And it's this. There is something that he does here in this passage that points to the proactive side of what he's calling us to do when it comes to love. And this, there's something new about this. Think about some of the things that Jesus has taught about love. Like, uh, one of the most powerful illustrations Jesus ever used on love was the story of the Good Samaritan, right? But there's this thing where it's not necessarily a proactive thing. It is about you find yourself in this place where there is someone that needs love and you respond out of what's happened in this moment. Or he would tell parables uh, about something that was lost, like a lost lamb or a lost coin. And you respond in this loving way to go and find it. And what he's saying here is, he says, I want you to love what? As I have loved you. Have you ever thought about the fact that God loved you like before you were even created? Like you look into scripture and you find that God knew who you were long before you were ever born. There is something so proactive about God's love. God decided to send his son, Jesus Christ, as an act of love before we ever even needed it. 
because there's something proactive about him moving towards love. So here's my challenge this morning to all of us. When we think about the situation that we're in, it is to be proactive in how we think about love. To, uh, and, and here's the specific challenge that I'll give as some application to kind of take out of this uh, morning and into this conversation and into your next day. And it's this, in a proactive way, how can I grow to understand how to love better? And oftentimes, I'll hear people uh, think about this kind of challenge that we see out of the New Testament or about loving, and it's like, okay, I get it. I got it, like love. And, and it's almost like this thing, like, okay, I've got love, and now no, let's move on to the next thing. And I want to pause for a second because sometimes we can miss the need for us to continue growing in our understanding of how to love the way Jesus loved us. Because there's this beautiful, beautiful simplicity and clarity to what love is all about. And out of that beautiful simplicity and clarity, it can be easy to think, I've got it. But what if I were to say to you, you know, like, uh, man, I get it. The Bible's really important. And I, I, I don't know that I really need to grow in my understanding of the Bible anymore. Because, you know, I've been studying for a long time and I think I got it, right? If I said that to you, you would go, uh, Glenn, first you're a little crazy. And like, that's not like, be, why? Because of course there is more for me, for you, for anybody to grow in our understanding of scripture. You could go a lifetime and there will still be so much to grow in in your understanding of scripture. Can I challenge you with this? The same is true maybe more so when it comes to love. You and I can go a lifetime and there is still more to grow in in our understanding of how to love the way Jesus loved you and me. And so be open to that. Be proactive in that. And it's really out of that spirit and that understanding that we sat down this week um, with Arante and had this conversation to try and understand, to try and grow in love. And out of this, I had the best time uh, with an old friend and now a new friend in seeking to take Jesus's words in growing in understanding of how we could love more. So I hope you'll join us and watch this conversation. It is wonderful to have you here. And uh, like, so one of the things that I've loved most is you have a name for Andy here that we've not heard yet. Who's Andy? Right. <laughs> yeah. AT. I know this guy is AT. Back yeah. In the, yes, sir. Back in the day. Yeah. So I think around the office now, it's, it's going to turn into AT. It's going to turn into <laughs> AT. Yeah. Yeah. And I just know him as Jenkins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or Coach Jenkins. Yeah. There you go. You coached. I did. When he and I met um, at Flowing Wells, we were teaching. I was an assistant football coach also. So you all taught together at Flowing Wells. Yep. And you are a high school principal? Yes, sir. 15 years, uh, 2021 school, you'll be 15 years. And you're a pastor? Yes, sir. And it'll be seven years in October. You, like, 
I don't have enough time to get my job done. And like, man, everything you're doing, I'm like, man, that's, yeah. Um, Early start to the day. What time are you up every day? 3.45 is usually the time I get it done. It's nice and quiet. It's peaceful when they at, at yeah, the time. the whole world is sweet, <laughs> yeah, <man>. Exactly. <laughs> that's sweet. Well, uh, when did you become a pastor? Tell us a little bit about that in your church. Um, I became the pastor of Friendship about four years ago. Uh, and so that relationship has been there. Actually, there were two congregations, Our Father's House Fellowship and Friendship Missionary Baptist Church that merged, um, and it was a wonderful union, uh, and we've been growing and serving the kingdom ever since. That is, like, yes, awesome. Sir. Yeah. And uh, tell us just a little bit about, like, where you grew up and, and maybe what that was like. Um, I was born and raised in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, we've been here in Tucson since 99, but I was born and raised in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And um, and so one of the things that in the times that we're in, you would not believe, if I if I asked the question, if I posed the question to both of you, if you would believe that a person born in 1975 would have seen a cross burning uh, in their lifetime, I'm not sure your response would be one that you would say, yeah, that was possible. Uh, right. yeah, yeah, I was no. born in 1975, and in my lifetime, uh, I've seen uh, a cross burning uh, in, a in a yard in South Louisiana. And so, <clears throat> you know, so you're familiar, like, obviously, with everything going on in the, our country right now and what's happening. Um, and so, like, one of the things that in just, like, even having a chance to talk with you and Andy before this that I really appreciate uh, about you that I resonate and just think would be good to say here is that, um, like, I want everyone who's a Christian, I want everyone at CASAS to be uh, participating, like, in the uh, political realm and, like, being a good citizen, all that stuff. But as a church, and I know you feel this way, too, just hearing you talk. Like, the church is not a political entity. Right, correct. Yeah, I want Republicans, Democrats, independents, I want to be able to sit in the room and um, share an experience and what it means to be brothers and sisters in Christ. But, like, I, like if, they, if they outlawed Christianity, like, tomorrow, our, like, our mission wouldn't change. Like, right. We're still, it is still about leading and moving people towards Christ in like in in meaningful ways and we've talked about mm -hmm. that a bunch around here and so when you think about like this whole thing here it, and I if, if you experience where it just wants to be pulled into everything like political like what's that been like for you See, I encourage the, the people at Friendship Missionary Baptist Church or anybody that I encounter um, we as kingdom citizens we as members of the body of Christ uh, we, it is our job to be involved and engaged in our civic responsibility that is politics, but not to become political, not to be swayed by every wind and doctrine, but to stick to things that are truths contained in the word of God. We have a civic responsibility. We have to vote. Uh, we have to do those things civically that we are charged to do. We have to make certain we do those. Uh, but not to be swayed by mm. any underlying agenda. Uh, I think the common ground is right. Uh, and I think the common ground is truth. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, we are to be engaged in politics and do those things civically as citizens, but uh, not to be swayed by political agendas. Right. Can you give an example in your mind of, of a situation that you've been in with someone having a conversation where you could kind of point out the difference between what it means to like be involved in the in the political arena but not to become political what can you give us an example of that i think in some situations individuals in my experience uh being an african-american man want things or certain instances to become 
uh, uh, black or white versus a right or a wrong and want me to support uh, agendas that are based on uh, just only uh, race. And, and those things can become political based on agendas and pushing um, uh, certain ideas or ideologies versus what's right and wrong. I stand for what uh, what is right. I don't think that, that every person uh, that's white is a bad person. Every person that black is black is a good person or every movement that's based uh, in, in a predominantly white situation is bad or black is all good. But those things that are, that are true, those things that are facts, those things that are right uh, are the things that I believe uh, mm. th- that we should support in, in politics. Mm. So like, I'm really curious as you, as you look at like everything happening right now, like, I mean, there are protests, there are like uh, social media is blowing up with things and there's even rioting and there's just so much here. How would you see, like, what's the systemic problem? What's the underlying problem? Like, what do you see as at kind of the heart of, of some of the stuff that's going on right now? I believe there are two things at play. Uh, I believe there are two things at play, and I think they are distinct, and I think we need to address them. And now there may be some overlapping, uh, but I think we need to address injustice, and I think we need to address racism. Because there can very well be situations that involve injustice that have nothing to do with racism. Huh. Uh, and so I think we need to identify, again, in times the times in which we're living, I think there's an overlap in situations that are going on in our country. But uh, I think that when we address each situation individually, because injustice can be uh, enacted upon by or, or facilitated by somebody of any race of any color, any creed, any any backgrounds. Uh, Somebody can commit an unjust act, one person to another, uh, that I think could be very different from racism, which uh, people will have or have a belief of superiority based on race or or color. So those two things are at play. And I just think in every situation, we need to examine them both uh, and give credence to them both both and address them accordingly. Uh, They are underlying uh, reasons, tones, uh, relative to what's going on in our country that do involve both, that I think we need to make certain we address them. You know, I think about um, the current times and actually two really clear examples in the in the recent past, one obviously being um, George Floyd and then also Ahmaud Arbery. Correct. And I think about those two instances there, specific to what you're sharing right now, how would you kind of draw... Um, some comparisons and differences with regard to what you're talking about with injustice and you know what I'm talking about? When, it, when I personally examine the situation, uh, I've seen video footage, I've seen newspaper articles uh, and information relative to the situation that went on with George Floyd. I watched the video uh, and I do, I do believe that Officer Chauvin, a former officer, however you want to label him, uh, committed an act that was severely unjust, criminal. Uh, I don't know him as an individual. I have not seen evidences that point to him being a racist. Did he abuse power? Absolutely. Did he commit a criminal act? Absolutely. Mm. I just don't have evidences. I don't know enough about him to say that he was a a, a racist. Mm-hmm. Um, very unjust, though, very criminal in his behavior. The situation with Ahmaud Arbery, there's details surrounding that situation, surrounding what happened in that incident as recently as released this morning, uh, that detailed racial overtone uh, and undertone, if you will. And so in those two situations, uh, again, 
that those are very clear examples. I believe something that we can clearly see was unjust and, and, and criminal. Uh, that that unless there are evidences out there that say or point to the fact that Mr. Chauvin is a racist individual versus somebody who just neglected his power or abused his authority versus in the situation with Ahmaud Arbery, there, there are evidences out there that speak to um, racism. And, and as far as what you've said, addressing those really separately. Yes. And being able to get to that part of the conversation. Address them separ separately, identify them. And, and again, if there are overlapping circumstances that join the two in any particular situation, I think they definitely need to be adjoined. But, um, you know, I, I just very seldom have ever seen in my life, uh, because there are black officers uh, that com commit uh, acts of injustice, but I, I haven't in my lifetime or my experience seen where a black officer committed uh, an act of injustice where he was labeled racist, right? Um, injust, yes. Criminal, yes. And so, yeah, I think you got to identify the both. Mm -hmm. And if there are overlapping circumstances that join to two, the two in a situation, then definitely need to be together in the conversation. So, like, there's something, like, super refreshing about just... So you carry, like, this assumptive thing that, like, I've noticed <laughs> where... It would be so easy to just assume all of these other things, but the way you kind of divide out uh, this thing of there's a difference between injustice and racism, They're, they may overlap and they may be the same Correct. thing, Correct. but one doesn't necessarily mean the other. Like you really look at things and from an assumptive standpoint are, are, are looking at those different and if it plays out, you know, Okay, it, it, both are there, but but maybe not. Absolutely. So, um, that's got to make you unpopular at times from people on um, every side. It, it does from time to time mm -hmm. uh, because, again, in, in the situation in, the, in which we live, whether it's taught or whether it's based on our experience, right? People want us to do that. They want us to say uh, that every white officer or every black officer that uh, enacts a, uh, uh, an unjust or a crime or something criminal, one person to the other, we want to label that person as racist. I think you, again, um, based on facts that are presented, uh, and because a lot of time I'm, I'm asked to stand on issues labeled as black, and they are not black issues. They are just unjust. Uh, and, and so they are not based on race. They're just based on uh, a criminal act or, or an unjust act committed to somebody. I believe um, that, that whether it be black uh, or white, whether it be our Native American brothers and sisters that experience certain things or our Hispanic brothers and sisters that experience certain things, if it's unjust, then let's stand on unjust unless there is a tone of racism. If it's something that somebody is being denied certain inalienable rights, then let's talk about those things um, people uh, um, re removing or robbing people of those certain basic rights. But if it's not an overt act, then of racism, if it's just unjust, late, we don't need to compound the problem. Mm, right. We don't need to add bricks to the walls that divide us. And when we make issues, uh, create issues that are not just to compound those things, I think it, be, it, it makes our, our situation a lot more difficult. And sometimes when I make statements such as these, when I don't only stand on black, uh, or when I see the negligence even within my own race, it does make me so where, where, did, where, where did you get that? Like, so that's that that assumption in, in some ways you're you're trying to assume something better about a, another human being, even if they've done something wrong. Sure. It's not like just 
piling more bricks on. So like in a real personal way, like how, where did, where was that developed in you as a, as a human being, as a follower of Christ? Where did that come from? I think taught by my parents, rooted and grounded in my relationship with God. Mm. And, and I don't like to use cliches, but here is one. In the worst of us, there is some good. And in the best of us, there is some bad. And mm. so we have to, I think, live under that presumption. There are some people that are better by nature than we are by practice. Mm. And so I think that um, we have to assume the best. And I know it's difficult because of our experiences, because of our upbringing. Another word that's lost in this conversation of injustice and racism is prejudice. Uh, because a lot of times people mm. lump them into one of the sa- one in the same. Okay, wait. Say that. Make that distinction again here, because this is going to be important. I Three things I, I believe when you talk about the context in which we're talking. Uh, uh, when you talk about the the basis of me ex- looking at the good in people versus assuming the bad, uh, we we could talk about racism, we could talk about prejudice, but the uh, injustice. But the other word is prejudice, uh, and prejudice may not have anything to do with race. Uh, prejudice is I'm taught a certain thinking or a way about a certain thing or about a certain people, whether that's formal teaching or whether that's based on my experience. I think all of us have a certain level of prejudice based on formal education, informal education and experiences. Now, what we do with that is most often it's one of two things or three things. We assume the worst. Here's the situation in which I'm about to encounter. And because of my experience, my prejudice toward that situation Mm. is to assume the worst. Or we can go, we can assume here comes this situation or approaching me is a circumstance, situation or person. And I can assume the best until they show me otherwise. And my predisposition or my prejudice is to lean toward the better in people. Uh, and so, so like in a real practical way, like so just here, this, this just hit me in a real practical way that I could see a, and I'm going to play both sides of this. Yes, sir. I could see a police officer, they're getting ready to arrest someone and, and they're being rough or hard. I can immediately assume the worst that that police officer, because of attitude or whatever is, uh, they're going to abuse their power. It's racism, whatever. Oh, or I could try to assume the best. And it's not to pretend that if there is something unjust, to pretend like it's not there Correct. explain it away. Correct. But it's just not to go to that bad place first. And the, But the reverse is true, too. I could sit back and see people protesting, Correct. going out in the street and and assume the worst about them that they just that they don't care about america they don't care they're being selfish or i could assume the best and saying out of the conviction of their heart they see something that needs to be addressed or moved forward and i just so like hearing you say that like it just there's a you should preach this sometimes. <laughs> Every black person you saw in a protest doesn't hate white people. Every black person you saw in a protest doesn't, doesn't they don't think that white people are bad. They're not, they, mm. all of the black people you saw in protest are not there for a race issue. It may be involved in some situations, but they may be there. I would venture to say that they are there because of injustice. Now, of course, there are other things in our country that are going on that involve race, but I don't think every black person you saw in a protest over the last week and a half, two weeks, hate white people. So if there would be anything, and maybe there's going to be some some more things. I'm sure there are. I would want everybody, especially every person who grew up in our country, who is white, who's maybe can, like 
to just hear what you just said about that mm. and go with that assumption like well, i think that's huge like that like that there, there's something about that that actually i think if we can work can hear what you just said it pulls us toward uh, mm. you and others that are maybe that we would feel like are on the other side of this issue and, act, and actually go, wait a minute, maybe we're actually on the same side of some of this. And I, and I think that starts with creating a new norm, right? When we approach situations, when mm. you and I encounter each other, when you and I uh, cold encounter each other, grocery store, uh, new to the neighborhood, when we yeah. cold encounter each other, I think it begins there. I think we need to look at the surface as even ground uh, and then then turn over the soil or the surface to find out what's underneath. Because I think that the Bible says above all things get understanding. Mm. I think that allows us to gain an, uh, an understanding uh, one with each other. So when I approach you with these predispositions that were either ingrained in me, taught in me formally or informally, the, the paradigm shift has to be one that I don't allow those prejudice, prejudices to get in the way. You are new to my neighborhood. Uh, you encounter me. I encounter you. Uh, we got to think blank slate here. Mm. Uh, and we, got, we have to create an opportunity. I, I see you on surface, white man on surface. You see me on surface, uh, black man on surface. Uh, let's get beyond that as fast as we possibly can so those prejudices don't creep in. And let's till the soil. Because if we can till the soil and find out what's underneath, then I think um, there can be some understanding created or gained. Uh, and then yeah. I don't want to, because I definitely don't want to bring my predispositions or my prejudices, even if you're open, even if you're friendly, I don't want to bring them to the table because you may have some things that, that are underneath that are on the inside of you that can help me help you connect to me. And if, yeah. if, if that can be the premise, if that can be the the at the forefront, and it's difficult to do because I'm 43 years old, 44 years old, and you got to change some stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and so, but, but making a conscious effort to do that, I think then opens that soil for good seed to be planted versus uh, don't till the soil, just continue to spray the seed. Let me tell you about black. Let me, you tell me about white. We sprinkle the seed on ground that has not been tilled and it may not take root. It may not catch hold. Yeah, go ahead. When you, I'm gonna throw something out there. When you, um, as black person, great friend of mine, you hear the term white privilege. Gotcha. What is that? What is that? I know we talked about this a little bit earlier. What is, what is, share some of your thoughts on that. Um, can I talk about privilege? And then we can, I can segue into white privilege. I, th I think that uh, when you talk about the race issues that are involved in our country, you do hear the term white privilege. Mm. Uh, I think from a, from a black perspective, for being an African-American male, I don't want white privilege. I just want the same rights. Keep mm. your privilege. I can, I, I think with equal opportunity, if, if I can get equal opportunity and equal rights, I can create my own privilege. Does that make sense? Because I have daughters and just by way of you, you, you two gentlemen are leaders in the community, you're leaders in church and you have children. And whether you agree with it or not, or whether it's penciled uh, to paper or not, your children, when the pastor's children enter, there are certain privileges, uh, my children. 
uh, enjoy certain privileges. When I communicate with my children's teachers, I remove the signature from my email because it's not Dr. Jenkins. It's not Pastor Jenkins. Uh, it's not Principal Jenkins that's addressing the teacher or the school. It's Arante Jenkins, Sierra's dad, Skylar's dad, Sanaya's dad. I don't want them to have mm. a privilege because of that. I just want you to treat them the same mm. uh, as you would give the same opportunity. So when I hear privilege, um, I think black people would be satisfied with equal. If we could get just mm. get to equal at this point, I think it's the fight. Mm. Uh, versus um, if it's taking us this long to get to equal, how long do you think it would take us to get to privilege, if I answered your question? Yeah. yeah. Definitely. So, um, thank you. Yes. Just like thinking about the time here that we've got left. And so all of this stuff going around in the nation and everything. And I'm going to make the assumption, like I'm sitting here, we've got people that are going to listen to this conversation and they're like, okay, in the most practical way, if I, if I boil this whole huge issue down to my life and like a little while ago, you were talking about like you and I run into each other at the grocery store. I, I move into the neighborhood and you're my new neighbor. Yes, sir. And I'm here and I'm like, okay, I'm becoming more aware of there all of this, this huge complicated issue in our country and going on. But as a follower of Christ hmm. and, and having a sensitivity to this, I just, I want to, I want to, in a practical way, walk out what it means to be a Christ follower in a loving way. What, like, what's the, help me, what's the best thing I can do and you're my new neighbor and and like the bible says by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye love ye one another for a practical lived out uh existence is to expect the same create the same uh, the same uh rights the same uh are not privileges but the same rights the same expectations that you have as an individual uh, that you have for self and that you have for others that you love and care for sons daughters wives uncles uncle uncles aunts uh, have those same expectations of treatment uh for other people uh and then have the same response uh mm. have the same passion and burning for other people that suffer injustice as you do if it were enacted upon those people that you love because if we love one another the bible does not say uh, if you love your nephew or your blood kin, it says one another. And so the same love that you have that you would exude for family members, if you're talking family, the body of Christ, exude that same love for everybody, regardless of race, color, creed, and the like. And not just come to these conversations. How do I live this out? What do I do? Don't just come to the table and communicate and have conversation, but leave with commitment. Mm. Leave with a commitment to do something. So what does Be that look like? <clears throat> yeah. Um, because to say I'm anti-racism uh, and to say I don't believe in racism is two different animals. I don't believe in racism. I can see a racist act be committed and not do anything. If I'm anti-racism, it means I do something against racism or injustice. Mm. It means committing to do something. Pastor, what can I do? Uh, you, everybody can say something, right? Everybody can say something. And then uh, whatever you can do, do it. Our civic responsibility is to vote. Uh, coming to conversation with dialogues such as these. Uh, the other thing I would say, too, is a lot of times we, we operate from tragedy to tragedy all across mm -hmm. this country. 
Uh, there are other black pastors and leaders and white leaders that are sitting at the table just like we are. Mm. And we can follow it all the way back to Rodney King. Uh, and it was at one Rodney King situation after the other. We meet, we talk about the situation at its peak. Uh, once it plateaus, it kind of delves and dives and it goes away until the next quote unquote Rodney King situation. So to continue the conversations and commitments, if there are things that, that the lifeblood of your ministry your congregation, that there's an existence. If friendship should see Cassis in, in, in Walmart or the grocery store and there are issues, uh, to know that there's common dialogue amongst leaders, pastors mm. uh, in the kingdom uh, across the vineyard, to know that whatever, whether it's voting or whether it's taking a stance, again, not being, not based on Democrat or Republican, but wrong and right. Mm. And not Just, waiting for every tragedy to be the yes. time where, like, Correct. we get together and, yes, and do something like this. Like, so, like, one of the beautiful things that I saw play out this week uh, between you and, and AT here <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> is that um, it, it, there was a relationship and a friendship that the two of you have had mm -hmm. for a long time that has been ongoing. Yes, sir. And that during a time like this, it's not like it was, okay, I need to go uh, get to know that teacher and what was his name. And I, it's like, no, like you were cultivating that ahead of time and and getting to know each other, which actually creates something stronger before yeah, we get to this. And it was just a simple thing. God put Arante on my heart um, for several days and I just reached out. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about you, praying, praying. And we had a conversation, not thinking that we would do this. Right. Three days later, <laughs> yeah. you know. But yeah. but you watch how God works through it. Definitely felt the Spirit move to like, hey, let's let's do this. Yeah. And, and I'll share with At. I said, listen, um, I'm not interested in in joining this experience just to say some of my best friends are white. Uh, <laughs> that, that's not why I'm at the table. And I think that um, Cassis doesn't need Orante Jenkins. Uh, African-American pastor or male at this table to prove or justify to the world that it has a heart for ministry. You don't need me here for that. Friendship does not need casters to say um, that we believe in white, black, brown, and the like because people know that. Um, and so I'm here because of a genuine relationship and a newfound one. Uh, yeah. I get I get text messages when it's my pastor's anniversary from AT, when it's church anniversary from AT. We see each other uh, in stores. And so it's true and it's genuine. Uh, it mm. wasn't for publicity. It wasn't uh, uh, for any photo op. It was true and genuine and advancing uh, the Christ-like kingdom that we all serve in. And I'm grateful for it. Well, yeah, man. And I just love uh, having you here and having this perspective. And, Thanks. And, Thank you. Um, and, you know, we should keep this going. Absolutely. Like, like it, I hope as a country we can find a way to move forward in a positive way. And I think churches can be a part of that and Christians can be a part of that. But probably, right, all of this is going to die down. Yes, sir. And, and, mm. And as much as I hate the idea that it like it's gonna like there'll be something else, yeah. it probably will. I, I hope we get better and better. Right. But maybe we should make sure we don't like wait until like right. the next bad thing and go, oh gosh, you know, like you know. Yeah, and it's bridging the relationship. Again, it's it's when I will have shared with the friendship family and everybody I know the experience that I've had today. Uh uh, people will people will look for evidences of the uh, of this experience. People are going to look out. Yeah, that was great. You all were at the table together. There were cameras, but people will will look mm. for 
uh, what evangelism comes out of this? How are we evangelizing this relationship? How are we sharing with the world the commitment, not just the conversation and the dialogue that happened at this table, but the commitment? And for people that will hear this experience and share this experience and look across the landscape of the kingdom and see friendship continuing uh, to voice efforts, not just that are rooted in African-American or Black issues, uh, but for the plight of people in general. And when people look across the kingdom and see castles continuing the message that has come out of this conversation and this experience, by this will all men know that castles and friendship are the disciples of Jesus Christ mm. because they're not just loving each other for being at this table, but they're loving one another across mm -hmm. the kingdom. And so that, that's my sincere prayer. And that's the mission that does not change. That's like that, like that's the mission that goes above anything political. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like, like it, it, th that's the beautiful thing that we all share yeah. in as pastors and, and churches and, and what we're trying to lead. Here. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so like, I hate to say this, but we're like about out of time, yes, but, sir. um, can we do this? I'd love to just have the three of us just spend a little bit of time and maybe pray for our churches and for our nation and, and people and stuff. And if you want to start, you will just go around yeah. and I'll, I'll close this out. God, our Father, in the name of Jesus, we come. And as we often do in our petition, we want to pause to say thank you for being God and beside thee, there be none other. Mm -hmm. God, we thank you for the fellowship and the time in which we have shared. Mm -hmm. We thank you for this opportunity, not not just for the conversation, not just for the communication, but for the commitment that will come out of this mm -hmm. time shared together. I thank you for the leadership and the fellowship that's represented here. I thank you for Pastor Glenn. I thank you for Pastor A.T. I thank you for being in the wonderful company of these God-fearing, mm -hmm. God-loving, God-serving men. I thank you for the Cassis family who will continue to evangelize the gospel good news of Jesus Christ. God, look out across the land and country, across the kingdom. God, while the world says that there is civil unrest, we serve a risen Christ Savior mm -hmm. who can help and heal all. While the world says there is pandem pandemonium and a pandemic, we know mm -hmm. that we serve the Prince of Peace. Continue to utilize us as your hands and as your feet, as your voice, as we evangelize the gospel good news. Mm -hmm. That healing comes, that help comes, that hurt is eradicated throughout our efforts is our prayer. Bless us now in Christ's name. And God, I want to just thank you so much for the gift of friendship and and uh, and the way that your your spirit is just constantly working through the people that that uh, that you intersect our lives together. And and Father, I just want to lift up Arante, just what a what a special friend he is. How much I've always uh, respected him as as a leader, as a mentor of people, and and um, just his constant commitment to you, God, and and really helping people move to a place where they know that there is hope in Christ in all things, in any moment, even in times like this. I, I've just constantly seen that in him. Thank you for that encouragement that he is for, for my leadership and the new friendship that we have here. And and God, I, I, I do pray, Father, for um, a new friendship with with friendship church father i just i i look forward to a partnership there and and what your spirit's going to do through that because i know that for myself personally not only am i committed to this friendship with orante but really uh, the people that he leads i have a commitment uh, to love them as well and so just give us that challenge and and make those things known so that we could step into um, all the possibilities and the and the beautiful future and the hope that you have ahead for for us in jesus name 
Father, I just uh, I lift up a Friendship uh, Church and just ask for your blessing mm. uh, on that entire congregation and uh, for your comfort and your peace in this. And I'm grateful that in some way you are connecting us with that church a little bit, that we share um, your son, Jesus Christ, at the core of who we are and our mission and what we uh, worship and believe that is good and beautiful. And uh, I lift up uh, Pastor Jenkins to you Thank and you. just uh, pray that you continue to give him uh, wisdom and courage and just um, the love that just flows out of his heart. I just, I pray that you continue to use that in just a mighty and amazing way. And Father, I, I lift up, uh, up Casas to you, that you would continue to work in our hearts and move us more and more of just uh, living the love of your son, Jesus Christ out in the most practical way that just that leads other people uh, back to your son, Jesus Christ. And lastly, Father, I pray that you would use your churches all over this whole country, all over the whole world, um, that the love that Christ has would be the leading edge that would actually bring a healing to, um, to a, a world and to a country that still uh, has so much pain and so much hurt and, and even confusion and figuring this out. I pray that your churches uh, would be a force for good in bringing healing in our country. And with all of that, and with just uh, these two men uh, here that I call uh, brothers, um, mm -hmm. it is in your son's name that I pray all of this. Amen. Amen.